Uh, if you guys would open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verses 27. I wanted to speak for a little moment and focus on uh, this little passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. The Apostle Paul is speaking and he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as for one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And since you are going through the same struggle, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning on the struggle within. The struggle within. I was debating whether I should do a Christmas-type sermon, and uh, I believe this is the word from the Lord. So uh, if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, this morning, Lord God, that you would help us to receive your word, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord God, and anoint your word, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. And as you are seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him the struggle is real. The struggle is real. <laughs> Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes in your life you still struggle with stuff that you thought that you would have been, o been over years ago? Sometimes you just assume that when you reach what we call adulthood, certain things that were a problem when we were a teenager would not be a problem anymore, but yet you still struggle. And it's disappointing that when you get older, your struggle they don't just disappear, and in fact, you normally have more of them, right? I remember when I was younger, and, and uh, I was thinking, man, I can't wait until I get older, because I thought the struggle was so bad when I was young. The struggle, the struggle was real. And having to listen to my parents, man, it was bad. Having a bedtime, now I only wish I could have a bedtime, right? I just remember thinking, man, I can't wait until I turn 18 and I can move out of this house. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, was I, ever the, was I the only one who ever thought that? No. And then the day finally came, right? You turn 18, a day I'd look, been looking forward to my whole life. And I realized not only did I ha still have the same struggles of living with my parents and living under their rules... <laughs> But now I had to go to work, and I had to start looking towards my future and go to college. And so here I was still struggling when I thought that I would be in this struggle-free environment. And I remember growing up also playing basketball 
with my dad and my brothers. And I remember my dad uh, would play against us so hard sometimes and um, that there was just no way that we could even beat him. I mean, if you know my dad, he's six foot six, and he used to play um, college basketball. And uh, and here I here me and my brothers were like three foot five. I mean, <laughs> it was like playing against Shaq himself. And so we would have to tell my dad that he would have to stop playing on on that high level, on this pro level. Like, bro, what's going on here? And uh, and that was it was so hard for us that we 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 would be telling him like we can't even play on that college level we can't play on the high school level yet i mean give us a break and so i remember we would be playing a game and my dad would come and block us just like smack the ball so hard <laughs> and we're like bro this is ridiculous like what level are you on like you're playing on that pro level again you need to calm yourself down here and so I guess all of that kind of reminded me, all these struggles and uh, reminded me of the story of Jacob in the Bible and all of Jacob's life was a struggle and looking back through his struggles and trying to understand the tensions of his character and against his calling, it will give you a whole new perspective um, on the kinds of people that God uses. And you know, we, I feel like we kind of discriminate and we think we know who God likes and who we think God will use for his work and and then you run into a character like Jacob in the Bible and Jacob was born into a struggle amen he was actually literally born struggling with his brother Esau he was a twin and in the womb Jacob is grabbing at his brother's heel which is kind of ironic but that's why they even named him Jacob because in the Hebrew that mean that meant that he grasps the heel. And so he is grabbing his brother's heel because he was trying to be first, and that really made me think because it gave me a picture of how our, how we are in life sometimes, and, and we try to be first, and we try to get ahead, and then we often find ourselves farther behind just trying to grab and get stuff. And so... I was reading about Jacob, and I was at that place in Jacob's life, you know, where he is 97 years old, and he's going to meet with his brother Esau, and, and by this point in his life, he was really, he's really caused a problem in his relationship between him and Esau. I mean, he had already stolen his birthright, and he's stolen his blessing, and then he had to run from Esau for almost two decades because he saw that Esau was homicidal about it. And so after about two decades of running, some stuff went down, and I'm not going to preach this whole, this whole morning about, um, about Jacob, but he gets to this point where he goes back home because, he, because any conflict you run from is only going to be waiting for you in a future season. Any conflict that you run from is only going to be waiting for you in the future. And anything you don't deal with only grow in, uh, they only grow the longer you leave it alone. And so Jacob is preparing to go and he meet his brother Esau one night, and as he does, this manifestation of God starts to wrestle with him. And while they are wrestling, Jacob's hip goes out of socket, and Jacob discovers something about who he is. And he gets a blessing, and I know I preached about that a, a couple months ago, but the reason I pointed it out just in review 
is because Jacob that night, while he was planning to go meet his brother Esau and tried, trying to reconcile and make right what he had done wrong with Esau, he had a wrestling match before he meets him. And that tells us something about the nature of struggle. You see, he thought he was going to reconcile with Esau, the same guy that he had been wrestling with since before he was born. And I want to point out how sometimes in life you can still be wrestling at the end of your life with the same thing that you started your life wrestling with. You can still be struggling a century later with the, with the thing that you struggle with just as a little kid. And sure, it changes. Esau has grown up and, and, and times have changed and the situations were different. But it was the same guy waiting on the other side of the stream for Jacob that he had been fighting in the womb. And you know, that's so true because in our lives, situations get more complicated, but really our struggles are very similar. Our fears that we have in one stage, if we don't deal with them, we carry them into the next phase of life. But what Jacob found out that night about the manifestation of God that Jacob wrestled with was that his real struggle in life was not with Esau. His real struggle was within himself. And if you haven't figured that out yet, I want you to know that your real struggle is not with another person. Your real struggle is not with your money. Your real struggle is not with food. Your real struggle is not with your co-workers. Your real struggle is not with them. Your real struggle that you've been going through is within. The only struggle that you really need to be focused on to be victorious in life is the one within. Amen? And so Paul is speaking to the church at Philippi, which he founded, and in fact, it was the first church that he found in what we know as modern-day Europe. And so he's writing to this church, but he cannot speak to them directly because he's in, pre- he's in prison for preaching the gospel. Okay? So not for committing murder, but for preaching the gospel. And he's locked up, and we don't know exactly where he's locked up, but we know he is in prison, and so he writes to the church of Philippi. And I find that really interesting, that Paul couldn't get to them because if he could get to them, we wouldn't have a recording of what he said to them, right? Isn't it interesting how God will take terrible circumstances in your life and he will use it for another purpose? He will use it for his glory, amen? And if Paul wouldn't have been in prison, we wouldn't have the book of Philippians. We wouldn't have one of my favorite scriptures, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We wouldn't have rejoice again always. Again, I say rejoice if Paul was not in prison. Amen? And I wonder what God is doing through your situation right now that he couldn't do if you were not in the circumstance that you are in. Praise God. Did you know that the book of Philippians is known as the most joyful book in the Bible? Amen. I wonder as we enter into this Christmas season if we could learn from Paul and not let our situation take away our joy. If Paul can write the most joyful book in the Bible from a prison cell, what is our excuse? Stop blaming your situation and your circumstances for your lack of joy. Stop blaming your job for your lack of passion. Stop blaming your singleness for your lack of satisfaction in life. Stop blaming these things in your life for your lack of joy. Amen. Paul said in Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, 
You can end up in a prison or you can end up in a palace, but whatever happens, you see, Paul knew true joy is not about what is happening. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. Why is Paul saying this? Paul is saying this because there's a good chance that Paul could die in prison. And he doesn't even know if he will be around much longer. But whether I am here or whether I am not, whether I am watching or you are all by yourself, you ought to be governed by your calling, not your circumstance. And so he said, I want, to, I want you to know that you stand firm in the one spirit. Amen? We all have different backgrounds, but one spirit. Different backgrounds, but one God. Different backgrounds, but one Savior. Different backgrounds, but one mission. And he said, I want to know that you are united in the one spirit, striving. Or in one version, it says struggling together. Struggling together as one for the faith of the gospel. Do you want to know one thing about a church that's really unique? Most of the time, if you see a business or something everyone is in, everyone's in it as long as they are winning, as long as they are succeeding. And same goes for the sports teams. Every, when everyone's winning, they have all of their fans. And then take, for example, the Packers, they start losing, and all the bandwagon fans fall off. Now, Paul is in prison, and, and yet the church that he founded is still standing with him, even though it doesn't look good. And having your preacher in prison, it's probably not what you want representing you. But Paul was saying, I want, to, I want you to know that just like you were with me in my success, you are still with me in my struggle. And I want to know that just like you're with me in my struggle, that you're with each other in your struggles. And that's why you have to be very careful before you drop out of a church or decide to go somewhere else. You have to be very careful that you do not let yourself think that all you need to do is worship God in your own way. That coming to the house of the Lord is not important. It is, it is great that you are worshiping God outside of church and that you're praying and you're reading God's word outside of church, but it does not replace coming to the house of God. Amen? Because you can't pray for yourself when you get a brain tumor. You can't counsel yourself when you are having marriage problems or problems with your kids and you don't know what else to do. You need some people in your life who are set in place that will join you in the struggle, that will hook up with you in the struggle, that will stand with you with the, in the struggle and they will strive with you. And, and Amen. Amen. Ask your neighbor if, if they would be in the struggle with you. We are supposed to be in this struggle together. We are supposed to be together coming before God, worshiping God, hearing from God, receiving from God. Amen? We are in this together. Together. You cannot do this on your own. The church is still relevant to the 21st century. In fact, we may need each other now more than ever before. Online does not replace going to church. We need to know the importance of assembling together. Matthew 18 verses 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. 
Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. Matthew 12, verses 30. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. In Acts 2, verses 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and all in one place. You see, the Holy Ghost would not have been poured out in Acts 2 if the church didn't get together. Man, I wonder what God is trying to do in your life, but you do not see the importance of getting together on a regular basis with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. Listening to the sermon online is good when you are sick or you are out of town. But when you, get, when you can get here, you need to get here because you need to be around some believers that will remind you that we are in this together. I have your back and we can do anything if we do it together. And he said, because you have some enemies, and in verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Who is opposing the church at Philippi? It's not exactly clear, but who? But it could have been the Jews. The Jews in the church that were trying to bring the Christians out of a state of grace and into a place of legalism. And that is, if you keep these rules, God will accept you. And Jesus came not only to break the rules, but to break their bondage to the rules so that they could live in a way that would truly glorify God from their heart. And so Paul wrote all of these letters to the people and he was in, that he was investing in, and he would write to their specific situation, or he would speak to their specific struggle. And he spoke to the church of Corinth on how to act during a church service, and he spoke to the Galatians, and he spoke to the people of Philippi, all things that they were going through at the time, and he would speak to them on their level, and he would speak to that specific struggle. Have you, has anyone ever found it interesting on how the same sermon, the same scripture, the same words can minister to hundreds, if not thousands of people from all walks of life? And that's the beauty of the Bible. That even though those letters were addressed specifically to people that were, that were following Paul, they still minister to us today. And so as I was preparing this sermon, I realized the only way that that could be is because we all have the same struggle. And I know that kind of sounds crazy. We're all in different situations and we face different battles and are on different levels of a struggle, but our struggle still remains the same. And sometimes we think that other people don't struggle. You know, if I could just move out and get a college degree and make some decent money, then I wouldn't struggle at much, if any. If I could just make $100,000 a year just to be comfortable, I wouldn't even worry about money. And it's funny because all the people who do not have a lot of money are struggling to get it, and then all the people that have a lot of money are struggling to keep it. But we're all struggling with money, right? Amen? 
And so either way, if you have a lot of money or you don't, you still struggle. And people with a lot of money have more responsibility and they don't even know who their true friends are. And the people who don't have a lot of money struggle because they can't get what they want. First world problems. And that is just money. There are beautiful people who are insecure with how they look. They are people who are buff and they talk about how fat they are. Makes you want to slap them. You see, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your background is or what you look like, how much money you have, we all struggle. And even though it doesn't seem like it, we all struggle with basically the same things. We struggle with acceptance, with belonging and security. And we all struggle with this. And it doesn't matter how successful you are or not. We're all struggle, still struggling with these things. And so Paul talks about here about some some kind of struggles that the church of Philippi is in. And he said, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And we don't know if those are the Jews in the church or the pagans outside of the church. We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. But does it really matter? Does it really matter? Can I say that it really doesn't matter who was opposing the church at Philippi, and it really doesn't matter what is opposing you in your life right now. Because if you can win the struggle within, where the real struggle is, if you can overcome the insecurity in yourself, it does not matter what opposes you on the outside. If you can win on the inside, you can overcome any struggle if you can win the one within. Without any deficiency, any bank balance, any doctor's report, any enemy, any critic. If you can win within, all you really have to do is win within because it doesn't matter who my opponent is when I already know my outcome. I said it doesn't matter who my opponent is when I already know my outcome. It doesn't matter who opposes me when I already know the outcome. I've already read the back of the book and I already see that I won. So what am I so worried about? What situation in your life are you needing to trust God in more? Verse 28, he said, it doesn't matter who opposes you. This is a sign to them that they shall be destroyed, but you, that you will be saved. So the same struggle that you have been taking for, a sign that you are going to be destroyed, is actually a sign that you are going to be delivered. Because if the devil could have destroyed you, he would have by now. But the fact that you are still struggling is a sign that you are going to make it. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 29, he says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Verse 30, Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. You see, you have to remember that this is Paul speaking here, chained up in a, in a, in a prison, saying that we have the same struggles. I mean, although we don't, we don't all have, deal with the same struggle, we, we, we don't have all the same situations. Paul is in prison, and he's writing to the church of Philippi, who is free. And then Paul empathizes with them and says, the same way I am struggling, I know that you are struggling. And he takes the next three chapters in the Bible to encourage them in their struggle. 
But before he encouraged them, he first identifies with them. And he says, the same struggle I have, chained in this Roman prison, I know that you have. And they must have been reading, they must have been scratching their heads. Like, Paul, I know our problems are bad, but they're not that bad. First world problems again? I mean, I, I would imagine them thinking, come on, Paul. I mean, we're not in prison for preaching the gospel. And it must have shocked them that he said something like that. He said, I know you're struggling just as I am. I know your struggle and, and my struggle are the same. But he was trying to identify with them. And he was saying, when you hurt, I hurt. And when you struggle, I struggle. Why? Because he was saying we are in this together. You see, he realized our situation isn't the same, but our struggle is. It must have shocked them that the great apostle Paul would get down on their level and he would relate to their struggle. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament and he's identifying with these people saying, we are all in this together. And he was saying he struggles with the same thing that you struggle with. And I struggle with the same temptations that you do. And I struggle with the same sin as you do. I struggle in this life just as you do. I struggle with my coworkers. I struggle with my job. I struggle with my relationships. I struggle in, in my busy life to make time for God. I struggle to pray as much as I should. I struggle to witness, to witness more. And I struggle. Amen? Can I get a witness? I'm so glad that Paul didn't take his ministry example from the Pharisees because they look, the Pharisees, they looked down at everyone else and they preached about what they weren't doing right. But Paul didn't take his ministry example from the Pharisees. Paul learned how to minister by watching Jesus. And you see what Jesus did that the Pharisees wouldn't do is he came down from heaven and he came down onto their level, onto earth, and he walked on the earth and he suffered like you suffer. And, and he struggled like you struggle. And he was tempted like you are tempted. And he came down to where you are so that you can know when you struggle, you have a God. God that doesn't stand over you but he steps into your situation and he says I do too we are in this together Amen. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but where you were tempted, he was tempted. And where you were tested, he was tested. And where you failed, he succeeded. And where you fell, he got back up. Amen. Can't you hear heaven this morning say, we, saying we are in this together? Jesus said, if the world hates you, don't worry about it. They hate me too. Amen. But I have good news for you this morning. Because if you struggle like Jesus struggled, and if you carry your cross like he carried his cross, if you struggle with him, if you share in his struggle, you get to share in his strength. If the struggle is the same, so is the strength. And the same power that raised Jesus from the grave can now live in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If he got up, I can too. Hallelujah. I think we need to praise God for that. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so good. If you guys would actually just stand this morning. Clap your hands, Lord. Give him some praise. Lord God, I thank you so much, Lord, 
for all that you have done, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. A lot of times when you see someone's success, you underestimate the struggle for them to get there. There are, there are a lot of people who admire someone's success and they want to share in that success, but they don't want to share in that same struggle. And that's, what, that's kind of what Paul is saying here. He's saying, of all the ways that God has used me, I want you to not only see my success, but my struggle. You know, there are times that I look back on my life and I get upset because there are some things that I struggle with and since I was young and I'm still struggling and I get tired of my struggle. Have you ever felt that way? I'm still fighting with Esau after a century of living and as I look back and I realize I may still have some of the same struggles but I've also realized that I do not struggle with those same things at the same level as I used to. I'm struggling, but I'm stronger. You see, the struggle makes you stronger. I always thought that the mountains in in my life were something that I should be able to climb and overcome or that God should just remove altogether. But I came to tell you this morning that God gave you that struggle so that you would develop your strength. And when you realize that, the things that used to get you down will not get you down as much because you have a bigger perspective on your struggle. And there was only one time in Jesus' life that he really struggled. Only one time. And that when he opened blind eyes, he didn't struggle. In fact, it was so easy for him to open blind eyes, he came up with creative ways to do it. One time he just touched a person, the next time he would spit in the mud and rub it in your eye. I mean, it was so easy for him that he came up with creative ways to do it. He didn't struggle to teach or to preach. He did that all effortlessly. And the only time that you see Jesus struggle was that time in the garden where he was going to sacrifice himself for our sin. And he knew that he was about to face the most excruciating pain that man has ever faced. It was the only time we see Jesus struggle. Blind eyes, I can do that. The lame walking, no problem. Teaching, got that. He never struggled except that one time that he prayed so hard And he struggled so much within that the Bible says his sweat became like drops of blood. The stress from carrying the struggles of this world on his shoulders and the pressures that he was facing literally burst his capillaries. And he was struggling so much that he even prayed, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done you see that was a struggle it was my will or God your will we're all going to face many different situations in our life and some of you are going through tougher situations than what I'm going through 
right now, but I don't care how many situations we can name in this place today. There is really only one struggle, and that unites us all, and it's called surrender. That's the real struggle of your life. You might be in a wrestling match right now, a struggle with life, asking God, can you please take this away? This is so tough to deal with, God. But the only struggle that you really have to win is to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not what I want, Lord, but what you want. And if you can win that struggle within, Jacob, you don't have to worry about Esau. If you can win that struggle within, everything else will some kind of way work, work its way out. Because he said, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. If you would just surrender it all to him. Hallelujah. If you would just lift up your hands this morning and say, God, I surrender. I surrender my agenda. I surrender my plans. Lord, I surrender my dreams. I surrender my ways. It's not easy. But if you can win the struggle within, you will be victorious. Lord, I want to receive your strength. Lord, I want to receive the same power that raised you from the grave. Jesus, I declare that you are working for me and in me and through me, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare it. Hallelujah, Lord. I surrender, Lord, to you and to your will. Lord, not my will, but your will, Jesus. I put everything back in its proper place this morning. Lord, back in your hands. It's not in my hands, Lord. I want to see your perspective on things in my life, Lord. Lord, I trust that you will work it all out for my good. Lord, I want my joy back. I don't want to live in worry or fear. Lord, I trust in you, Lord, that you will work it all out for my good.